The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. in Boston, and here is your top five at five. Get ready. Nearly 200 major companies set to unveil what they see coming. Well, that guidance and their earnings push stocks even higher. Bitcoin bouncing back right now, up a couple thousand bucks, as the bulls use the pullback to buy more. But some say there's another crypto that should be also on your radar. We'll talk about it. Vaccines keep booming. And now J&J getting the green light to resume its drug. This is cases fall by half in America in just the last two weeks. Good news. Meantime, President Biden keeps pushing his new tax and spend plan. We'll speak with one of the top tax advisors in the world with what she is telling corporate clients all ahead of President Biden's big speech on Wednesday. And you've seen him dance, unfortunately. You've seen him drive and you've even seen him smoke. Now get ready to see Elon Musk in a whole new light, live this Saturday night. But right now it's Monday, April 26th, and this is Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Hope you had a great weekend wherever you are. Thanks for joining us on this Monday. Let's kick off your Monday morning money with stock futures, and they are, well, they are squarely mixed. Dow futures, they're a little higher. NASDAQ futures, they're a little lower. You can see NASDAQ futures down 44, so maybe a little more than a little, but they are down. Either way, we'll see if the April momentum can keep going. The S&P 500 hitting yet another new intraday high on Friday. That is its 30th record high of the year. Another big winner, the Dow Transports. But we'll have more on that in your morning RBI at the end of the show. All this ahead of what will be the busiest week of first quarter earnings and guidance. One third of the Dow and the S&P are set to release their numbers this week. Thursday, likely the busiest day in the, well, the quote season. In all, 169 S&P 500 companies and 10 Dow components are on deck to release their guidance, including Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, Boeing, Caterpillar, and McDonald's. Wow. Now, as of this morning, some 25% of the S&P have already reported their numbers. And check this out. Wow. Earnings up a stunning 34% from a year ago. Sales up 10%. Now, some of you are saying, well, of course, it was because of COVID and lockdowns. Eh, not really. Remember, COVID really only hit around mid-March. And some states either took a while to shut down, if they ever shut down at all. So really, most of the first quarter of last year was not quite business as usual, but probably not that far off. So those are gigantic numbers as the U.S. economy continues to surge as more and more states reopen by the day. But it is not just earnings for the week. Investors, you also need to keep an eye on a couple of things. The Fed's two-day policy meeting 
You got that decision due out on Wednesday. No change in rates is expected. But also on Wednesday, the president will address both houses of Congress in a joint session to lay out his America's Families Plan spending plan. And on Friday, some key inflation data is also due out with the old core PCE. Remember that? All right, let's get more now on all of this. Joining us now is Howard Capital Management CEO, Vance Howard. Vance, good to chat with you again. Love it. You're kicking off the show for the week. Thanks for joining us. Those earnings numbers that I just laid out, they are huge. And again, there's going to be a lot of, well, it's COVID lockdowns. As I pointed out, COVID really only began to hit the country in the last week or two of March of last year. And it took other countries and other states longer to do that. Those are absolutely stunning numbers, but the market's not reacting that much. Why do you think not? You know, I wouldn't be too concerned about it. Earnings are coming in. Everybody's kind of looking for that. Oh, by the way, good morning, Brian. It's good to see you again. Um, But, you know, earnings are coming in very, very strong. The markets, I mean, the economy is reopening at a terrific pace. I mean, this is pretty exciting stuff, what's going on. Everywhere I go, it's packed anymore. My wife and I, we go to buy a bicycle the other day. It's like a four-month wait. And um, the, the earnings are kicking in. The market's going to kick back in. I think we're setting up for a really, really pretty, pretty happy summer with the, the economy reopening in the stock market, I think, is very, very, very healthy right now. Yeah, I mean, listen, man, I was in Virginia this weekend. I drove back. The interstate was packed. I mean, it was 45 miles an hour traffic jams in the middle of nowhere. That said, has the market run, the big run that we had the last six to nine months, is that reflected in these numbers. In other words, as we talk about, the smart money bought the, quote, reopen nine months ago. Well, you know, for a, for a stock or an ETF or, or an index, it has to make new highs to to, uh, to double. And I think that's what you're seeing now. But, I, you know, just because the market's taking a little Spanish pause for a couple of weeks doesn't mean this bull market's by any way slowing down. Our proprietary indicator, the, the HCM byline, is incredibly strong. That means there's a lot of interest in this market. But, you know, one thing, Brian, that we are seeing is the, mar- the money spreading out. You know, last year was tech, tech, tech. But this year, you're starting to see the big epicenter stocks, the dividend stocks come back strong. This is a tr- this is a great market. You know, one thing we're watching is the small caps are starting to rally now. They've kind of dipped back a little bit, and they're rallying. The convertible bonds dipped back, but now they're rallying back up. I see. We see opportunity just all over the place. Yeah, the, the Russell 2000, to your point, small caps, they had this big run. Then they kind of came back down, as Tom Lee of others have talked about. You know, is this related to the price of oil? Is this related to sort of more concerns about how fast certain states would reopen, it sounds like you are a believer in the small caps. Any pullback might be in buying opportunity. I think the whole market of pullback is a buying opportunity. But when you look at the fangs, the fangs are starting to come alive, too. Facebook and Amazon have been basing for nine months, and they're building up steam just like a pressure cooker. And I tell you, both of those, in our opinion, look like they're about ready to break out. When they do, I think it's going to push the NASDAQ higher than the, in the fangs higher. It's just, man, there's opportunity everywhere. And again, oil and gas prices, you can look at oil. It's starting to rally based upon the, the, uh, the economy reopening. Man, yeah. I just think this economy yeah. is going to reopen at just a, a just a fast, fast, fast pace. Very quickly, I know you like some dividend ETFs. Give us a couple of names. Twenty seconds, please, Vance. Well, you know, I would if, if I was an individual investor, I'd look at DVY or VYM. I just play it by an ETF. I think you get more just as much bang for the buck doing it that way. Then you spread around your money, and you're gonna you're definitely going to capture uh, you know some profitable trades inside of those ETFs. I think there's a lot of opportunity there. 
and capture some dividend income as well. Appreciate it, Vance Howard. Vance, always a pleasure. Thanks for kicking off the show for us this week. Take care. Have a good one. Thank you. All right, you're welcome. Now, here's what else is happening in business around the world right now. Some of your top headlines. With the stock down some 20% this year, some of Credit Suisse's largest shareholders are now getting angry. And they are looking to oust the company's risk committee chair following bad bets related to both not only Archegos, but Greensill in the UK. Combined, the executive in charge of risk has lost shareholders $8 billion. The bank now being forced to raise some $2 billion more just to shore up its capital. David Harrow, well known to CNBC viewers, the vice chair of Harris Associates, they own 10.25% of Credit Suisse stock, says not only should the individual in charge be voted down, but David's saying, quote, I'm actually surprised in light of current events that he hasn't already resigned. Volkswagen, meantime, reportedly warning managers to prepare for bigger production hits at the current quarter. All of this according to the global semiconductor shortage. According to the Financial Times, executives are being told by suppliers that backlogs could be even worse than what was seen in the first three months of the year. One executive says the shortage is the, quote, biggest challenge that VW faces at the moment. Stock down just a bit. And a new note from Goldman Sachs says the U.K. is likely to grow faster than the U.S. this year after a major slowdown last year. In a note to clients, the bank now says it expects British GDP to grow by a, quote, striking, their word, 7.8% this year above their expectations for the U.S. Although, remember, a lot of other firms have a higher number for America. Of course, all this comes back to how much of a country is vaccinated and how much cases decline naturally. The more cases crash... The more reopening can happen, the more economic activity can happen. All right, what's going to happen now is we're going to go to break, and then we're going to come back. And when we do, when it comes to a crowded trade, maybe forget tech. Why, it's crypto. You might have to think about. So what does the founder of Litecoin think about all this? We're going to ask him. He's here. Plus, the new and controversial stock that ARK Invest Kathy Wood has now been buying up. And later, it was streaming night at the Oscars. Yeah, the Oscars were apparently last night. And we're going to show you the big winners coming up. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones... Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, welcome back. Let's get a check on some of this morning's other top headlines on this Monday, including a little sticker shock at the gas pump and some shock as a NASCAR star goes upside down at 200 miles an hour. 
NBC's Francis Rivera is in New York with that and more. Good morning, Francis. Hey, Brian. Good Monday morning to you. President Biden will mark his first 100 days in office this week, and he's getting his first report card. A new NBC News poll shows his approval rating stands at 53 percent, while 39 percent disapprove. That places President Biden ahead of Donald Trump, but behind Barack Obama at the same 100-day point. Biden got high marks for his handling of the pandemic, earning 69 percent support. His lowest ratings were for immigration, which is 33 percent approval. Gasoline prices are on the rise. According to AAA, the national average for regular gasoline is at 2.89 per gallon, up two cents from a week ago. A year ago, it was more than a dollar less at $1.78 a gallon. States like Ohio and Michigan have seen the highest increases since last week at 12 and 7 cents, respectively. Some tense moments at one of the most unpredictable racetracks in in the sport here. That's the Talladega Super Speedway. NASCAR driver Joey Logano went airborne during a crash, flipping out of control. He says he is angry about the wreck, but he is happy to be alive. Brad Keselowski won first place after taking the lead during the last lap. This is his sixth victory at Talladega. Whenever I see these crashes, it just amazes me how so many times they come out unscathed. Just like here, it's unbelievable. Well, wow. it, is, it is. Logano is actually the tallest guy in NASCAR, so his head is basically where the roll bar is, Francis. So he was doubly lucky that nobody hit him. He just scraped off the top of Bubba Wallace's car. Scary stuff there. They're going like yeah. 205 miles an hour, bumping and bumping and bumping. And I know a lot of people don't like that kind of racing. It's called restrictor plate. But uh, thank goodness Joey walked away. Francis, yeah. thank you. Sure thing. All right. Well, it was not only that. The Oscars were last night. And, of course, the overall night was still majorly scaled back and subdued. But it was still a night of historic wins. And no surprise, Netflix reigned king taking home the most awards of any studio this year. NBC's Jennifer Bjorklund joining us now live from L.A. with more on the show. And Jennifer, we good evening, I guess I should say to you. We appreciate it. For those of us who may have missed it, tell us who the big winners and the big surprises were last night. Oh, there was so much that was so different about this uh, ceremony. It was a different kind of Oscars, minus the bits and gags and the musical performances that usually accompany the show. Uh, But the stars were out, and we saw a glimpse of a Hollywood that was determined to shine. Nomadland. A poignant, low-budget film about life on the road scored big at Sunday night's Academy Awards, including Best Picture. We give this one to our wolf. Frances McDormand made her way back on stage just minutes later, claiming her third career win as Best Actress. I have no words. But Nomadland's driving force did. Chloe Zhao, just the second woman to win Best Director. This is for anyone who has the faith and the courage to hold on to the goodness in themselves. There was a slight upset for Best Actor. Anthony Hopkins. The British legend, who was not on hand, won his second career Oscar for his performance in The Father. It's an award many expected to go to the late Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Supporting actor went to Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah. Gotta celebrate life, man. We're breathing, we're walking, it's incredible. 
And 72-year-old Yoo Jun Yoon won supporting actress for Minari, the first Korean actress to win the award. Uh, I'd like to thank to my two boys uh, who made me go out and work. Uh, the awards were handed out in a smaller scale event as a result of the pandemic, with many mindful of recent day's events. If things had gone differently this past week in Minneapolis, I might have traded in my heels for marching boots. Words echoed by the winner for live action short, Two Perfect Strangers, the film dramatizing police brutality. And so I just ask that you please not be indifferent. A call to action to Hollywood's best. And Frances McDormand also had a plea to get everybody who was watching the ceremony to get out and see the movies on the big screen, sitting shoulder to shoulder as soon as it's possible. I mean, listen, we just went through our vaccination numbers. Cases are down, you know, what, 80 percent from their highs there, We were watching the video. There was a sign of normalcy. We saw it wasn't packed wall to wall. We get it. But yeah. we were showing videos of people inside no masks, you know, blowing kisses. It feels like there is a sense of getting back to normal with that. And the Oscars kind of maybe showed us the way because we don't see a lot of indoor people without wearing masks on these yeah. days. Yet they did it. I imagine they're all vaccinated. I like it. I love seeing it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, Regina King, when she walked in, she said, this is, you know, we're masked, we're vaxxed, we're sitting six feet apart. In some cases, There's, they don't have the seat fillers you usually see at the Oscars. So that was a huge departure. And also, the place wasn't packed. They rotated people through. Uh, so the nominees were sitting in the, in the theater there. But they rotated people through so it was never too crowded. And they treated it as a movie set because Hollywood's been back to work with some strict protocols. And they put all those protocols into place for this show. Just it was great to see because it felt like normal. You watched it. You saw some of the stars you hear about. It kind of kind of felt normal. And, and that's a wonderful thing, especially right now as we head into summer. Jennifer Bjorklund, it's a wonderful thing to have you on the show at whatever, 2.15 a.m. We really, really appreciate it, Jennifer. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. You have a great day. All right. Kind of cool, right? All right on deck. Confused about the likely coming tax hikes? Don't worry, you're not alone. There's a lot out there, but don't worry. EY's tax guru, Kate Barton, is here to break them down and what you need to know. And if you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast. Check it out every day on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and others. It's called Worldwide Exchange, and we appreciate it. Dow futures slightly higher. Bitcoin up 3000 bucks right now. We'll talk more about that and more on the other side of this break. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Get ready. Hundreds of companies set to bust out their crystal balls. What they see happening in the months ahead could determine what happens to your money in the months ahead. 
With so many new tax proposals floating around, what do companies and higher income families need to know and need to do? EY Global Tax Guru is here on what they're advising clients to do right now. In your morning RBI, what one group of stocks is set to do that hasn't happened since Star Wars, Smokey and the Bandit, and Saturday Night Fever were all on the big screen. It is the win streak that's staying alive. It's Monday, April 26th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. So you may not appreciate it in full right now, but with that song and the staying alive, you're going to appreciate it when you hear the RBI, which is kind of an Andy Gibb thing. I know you're probably thinking, Sullivan's finally lost it. It's finally over. Trust me, it all comes together in the RBI. You're going to want to hear it. Well, good Monday morning, everybody. Welcome or welcome back or good Monday evening if you're on the other side of the world. Thanks for joining us. Here's how your money and investments look right now as we are halfway through the 5 a.m. hour. Stock futures, they are... Well, they are mixed. In fact, again, we are seeing, I don't want to call it the rotation trade, whatever it is. We're seeing Dow futures up 30, NASDAQ off 40. It is the bit, I'm going to call it guidance season, not earnings season, because earnings, honestly, don't tell anybody, probably don't matter that much because the whole COVID relationship, whatever, it's the guidance. It's what companies see and what they say in the months, quarters, and, and maybe a little bit longer ahead that is going to determine a lot. Either way, if you are concerned about earnings, they've soared. They're up 34% for the same quarter of last year. And keep in mind, that is not just all COVID. Remember, COVID really only hit the last week or two of March, the last week or two of the quarter. Some states, it didn't hit until longer. Some countries, not until longer. So you see these big comparables to last year. Do not discount them as just, well, that was related to COVID. No, it wasn't. March 11th was really the day. That kind of everything got real for us. Remember, there was a lag across much of the country. So a lot of these numbers may not be perfectly analogous, but they're probably not far off. The bottom line is huge parts of the American economy not only are bouncing back, but they never, ever slowed down. All right. Now to your morning's top headlines. Republicans may be willing to hike their price tag on a potential infrastructure spending package that, according to Senator Lindsey Graham, the GOP could back as much as $900 billion in spending compared to the party's initial counteroffer of 568 The Biden administration says it will make raw materials needed for India's vaccine production available immediately as that country works to fight off its own surge of COVID-19. The announcement comes as India sets another global record for daily cases this weekend. In addition to the U.S. support, Britain, France and Germany have also pledged help to India, which needs it a lot. And individual investors have been bearing the brunt of losses tied to the fading frenzy around SPACs. According to the Wall Street Journal, while individuals have suffered losses, insiders have benefited to the tunes of millions of dollars, in some cases thanks to their discounted stakes in their own companies. The journal says the growing gap between returns for insiders and later investors, probably like you, is challenging the common view that so-called blank check companies democratize finance and is actually going to threaten their popularity moving forward. Look at that. The CNBC SPAC post-deal index down 14.5% year-to-date, while the markets are higher again on the year. 
All right, back now to Washington. The White House hitting back at criticism from Wall Street over its proposed plan to hike capital gains taxes for high-earning individuals and companies. The Biden administration telling the Financial Times over the weekend that the new rate would only affect the income of a, quote, sliver of the U.S. population. This ahead to what is expected to be President Biden's big push for tax reform when he addresses both houses of Congress at a primetime speech on Wednesday. Joining us now with an inside take is EY, Global Vice Chair of Tax, Kate Barton. Kate, it's good to have you on. It's important to have you on because if you can make sense of all the tax proposals, you're a lot smarter than we are. We know you are. Tell us the one or two key headlines that you that we need to know and what your clients are the most worried about right now. Well, thank you, Brian. Good morning. So there's a lot going on in terms of all of these tax proposals, but I think the operative word is it's a proposal and there's going to be a lot of artful negotiation needed to get this done. So the talk of the town is really on two fronts. First is the corporate tax rate moving from 21 to 28. And really the big action is on the international sections of the tax code and what will happen to multinationals and coordinating all of that with what's going on with the OECD. So that's one. And then certainly the later talk of the town is capital gain increases, which impacts mostly individual investors, but it's important to corporate America, as well as where should you locate your employees? I mean, there's aspects to that as well, Brian. Yeah, 23.8 to 39.6. Do you think it ends up at 39.6, Kate, or do you think there, there is some compromise, even though the GOP doesn't have a lot of bargaining room, right? They, they, they don't control either House of Congress. Does it end at 39.6? No, on the cap gain rate, too, just so, to point out, Brian, it really is to 43.4 because of this 3.8% investment um, unearned income credit that you have to add in for Medicare. And so don't forget that tax as well. So it's almost a 20% increase. And I think that there's going to be a lot of negotiation, whether this is the right thing to do. We haven't seen parity in the cap gain rate and ordinary income rate since 1986. And at that time, the tax rates were in the high 20s. This is a huge difference. And so this will have a lot of impact. Most economists will say that what will happen is investors will sell off before the rates change. And then they'll end up holding for a longer period of time. So really, one has to wonder, will this raise as much taxes as what's anticipated? Will holding periods just end up being longer uh, to wait out whether or not tax rates change yet again? So a lot of negotiation has to happen. There's a lot of different ways to get at this. And so uh, that's where this artful negotiation is needed. You know, and this is where it gets a little bit wonky. Okay, I was reading a study over the weekend. Don't ask me why. I have no idea. I was with some friends golfing, but this is because I'm just this kind of dork, I guess, Kate, which is only about one-fourth of U.S. equities, the big ones, are held by sort of American individual investors. Huge global ownership of U.S. equities. How do they, if you're in a pension fund in Japan or a big investor in Europe, how do they get impacted? by higher capital gains rates here, if at all. In other words, would it not maybe have the punch in the gut effect to the U.S. markets, as many of the pundits are saying, or could it have more of an impact? How does it line up? Brian, I mean, that is the zillion dollar question. So a lot of foreign investors, if they're coming in as pensions, will not be subject to this cap gain rate. 
And so what I think really has to be thought through is exactly what you're pointing out, that the owner entrepreneur, if they're selling, um, is that the group that you want to have penalized, that U.S. individual? And so, you know, if that person, too, is in the state of New York or in New York City, then it's even worse. And then in California as well. I mean, you're looking at tax rates in the high 50s. And so, again, I think the biggest impact would be on that owner entrepreneur, which, again, needs to be factored and thought through. Is that the right thing to do? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a big one, Kate, because we, we, we don't often think about the foreign ownership of U.S. equities has become so much more important and meaningful. I mean, if you're at home and you got a 401k, a couple hundred grand in it, what happens in Japan with U.S. equities matters a lot. Ultimately, when this all plays out, when all the sausage is made, Kate, where do you think we end up on a corporate tax rate and a capital gains tax rate? So I think the, you know, the summary is it's still early to tell, but I think that on the corporate rate, somewhere in the middle between 21 and 28, most companies can align themselves. It's really important that we line up with the global countries around the world. I mean, we don't want to have the highest rate again. And this is all the headline rate. Remember, Brian, it's what you pay, not necessarily the headline rate. But uh, countries mm. compete against each other on this. And so that's really important. If this were to go to 28%, once again, the United States would be the highest um, amongst all countries with the OECD at 28. We can't have that because when you add in the state and local taxes, it's a lot. It's in the low 30s. And so competing is important. Um, again, there's a lot of discussions to try to get to a more coordinated headline rate around the world through the OECD efforts. And Janet Yellen has come out and has said that she wants to participate in that more heavily. But that remains to be seen. So we'll have to see how this shapes up. But the corporate rate, somewhere in the middle, 21 to 28, probably around yeah. 25. Yeah. And you know they're going to roll out the story. 150 companies didn't pay any taxes or whatever. It's because the CARES Act, for the most part, which was a bipartisan correctional act, which allowed them to push it off for basically a year. But don't mention that because facts. Kate Barton, EY. We appreciate it, Kate. We'll see where this all ends up. We'll get you back on again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you, Brian. All right. Oh, you're very welcome. Coming up, more of your... Thank you. I like it. Look at the wave. It's like we have Jeeps. More of your morning's big money movers, including what may be Kathy Wood's new favorite stock. But as we had to break some other big headlines on this Monday, do you want to go to Rome this summer? Maybe Paris? Well, you might be able to. The EU will allow vaccinated Americans to begin traveling there this summer. Move comes one year after the EU halted all non-essential travel to the bloc to limit the spread of, you guessed it, coronavirus. There's a global pandemic. You might have heard about it. TikTok, you don't stop. Or maybe you do. TikTok's boss, ByteDance, apparently postponing its IPO plans. According to reports, the decision comes as it grapples with regulatory demands between the U.S. and China. And he's mastered electric cars. He's mastered rockets. He's mastered well, he's not master dancing by any means, but you get our point. And now Elon Musk will try to master comedy. He is set to host Saturday Night Live on May 8th alongside musical guest Miley Cyrus. Musk to SNL, May 8th. Set your DVRs or your Hulu, whatever it is, now. Dow Futures up 14, Bitcoin up a couple thousand. We're back right after this. 
All right, welcome back. Time for this morning's Big Money Movers. Three stock stories you need to know about. Let's go. Stock number one, Kansas City Southern. The board will review a proposed $33.7 billion offer from Canadian National Railway. Remember, Kansas City Southern has already entered into a deal to be bought by Canadian Pacific, which offered $28.9 billion. So investors will be watching to see if Canadian Pacific comes back with a higher offer to trump Canadian National. Stock number two, esports company Skills. In a filing late last week, Kathy Wood's ARK Invest disclosed it bought about 4,000 shares of the company after already buying some 6 million shares earlier in the year. That news sending the stock surging 33% last week. Now, in a note to clients, ARK takes on some of the controversy around Skills, saying, quote, the recent allegations against the company range from its revenue recognition practices to its recent NFL partnership. After reviewing the reports, we believe the claims to be either exaggerated or wrong. Wood continues, quote, we believe these short-term reports stem from a misunderstanding of the company, its position in the gaming ecosystem, and its future ambitions. By the way, the skills CEO will be on Closing Bell today to talk about it. Stock number three, Tesla, out with its numbers tonight, expected to post record profit, mostly due to its growth in China. The question for many analysts will be guidance in CapEx as Tesla moves to finish gigafactories in Germany and Texas. Texas. I just combined Tesla and Texas into a new word, which, by the way, I think is highly appropriate. If you think Texas is a good new word, let's get that trending on Twitter. You get my point. It's 543 in the morning. Tesla shares are just about flat from the year. We're all going to Teslas. All right, let's move on, thankfully. And calm down, all you crypto bulls. Because Bitcoin is bouncing back right now. You're all chewing your fingernails down over the weekend. Bitcoin is back up right now about 3.5%. This after a five-day losing streak. But as Bitcoin maybe suffers some potential burnout as the price goes up, 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 investors are looking to some of the other cryptos, including Litecoin. Litecoin, the sixth biggest market cap crypto. It has jumped by 200% in the last year and a half. So what exactly is Litecoin? And why might be a better bet than Bitcoin? Let's welcome in a guy, no doubt, with an opinion on that, Charlie Lee. He's the founder of Litecoin. He is currently the managing director of the Litecoin Foundation. And we join him uh, now. Charlie, thanks for joining us. You know, obviously, you're a deep, deep, deep expert. MIT, Google created Litecoin. For our audience that is just kind of learning, they're a little intimidated about the crypto world. How would you describe, in a layman's terms, the difference between LTC and BTC? Yeah, well, the simple way to think about it, I always see Bitcoin as digital gold and Litecoin as digital silver. So it's kind of silver to Bitcoin's gold. So if you understand how, how Bitcoin works um, very similar to gold in terms of mining and everything, Litecoin works very similar to silver. So it's, it's kind of a layman's uh, Bitcoin. And so from a blockchain perspective, from a transactional perspective, maybe not from a fractional perspective, and that's, I think, one of the key differences in terms of the decimalization of Bitcoin down to eight different levels, the Satoshi, are there any fundamental differences on the back end on how they operate, Charlie? Yeah, the main difference is it uses a different mining algorithm. So it has a different set, set of miners than Bitcoin. It also it's faster. It has more coins than Bitcoin, has four times as many coins, and it's also four times faster. So Bitcoin 
transactions happen every 10 minutes, Litecoin transactions happen on average every two and a half minutes. So it's, it's easier to use. And because um, the Bitcoin blockchain right now is congested, fees are really high. For Litecoin, fees are still in the pennies. So it's very cheap and fast to use. What do you mean by that, that the, it's congested, Charlie? Uh, so the Bitcoin blockchain is, is full. Um, every, every 10 minutes when a block comes, the whole block is being used by, by transactions. So because of that, everyone is competing to get their transactions into the, into the next block. So the, the way they do that is they compete by paying more fees. So the miners will choose transactions that pay the most fees to put into the next block. So with this competition, the fees are high. Um, that's why people are paying like $10, uh, for per transactions these days. And for Litecoin, the fees are they're still very low. They're still like in the pennies or sub pennies. This is okay. I'm going to give an analogy, Charlie. It may be completely off. And if it is, please tell me that it is okay. Because I'm a simple guy and I like shipping and we've been to ports. So if it sounds like what you're talking about is let's say all those ships are waiting to get into the Suez canal on the blockchain. And basically <laughs> the ship not that's first in line, but is willing potentially to pay more, gets to jump the line and get into the canal first. Is that kind of what's happening with Bitcoin on the blockchain right now? It's not a race to the bottom. It's a race to the top. Yeah, it's exactly what's happening. So people um, are paying more fees to, to get into the next block. Right? So if you, pay, if you don't pay as, as much in fees, it might take some time for you to get into a block for a Bitcoin so I, you see, like, I see Litecoin as kind of like in this analogy as like another canal right next to it that has a larger bandwidth. So more ships can go through the Litecoin canal than the Bitcoin canal. And when you launched Litecoin, and by the way, I was joking on Fast Money like a year and a half ago, Charlie, I don't know if you saw it. I was like, sell the house, sell the cars, buy Litecoin. I kind of meant it tongue in cheek, <laughs> by the way, on Fast Money in November of 2019. But I guess it's playing out. It was not investment advice, folks. There it is. And by the way, my <laughs> line was, was a knockoff on the Marlon Brando line from Apocalypse Now, so don't at me on that. So I joked around about this. It was, I think it was like late November of 2019, not investment advice. But what do you think of that call, Charlie? What do you think? Well, it was a great call, but it's also a great call for, for buying any crypto at that time, right? I think 20, 2019, yeah, we're at the, at the low. But yeah, great call. I'm trying to appear smart here, Charlie. Don't say <laughs> you, you're right. I could have said, I could have said any crypto. It would have been just as right. But I happen to say yours. Why not? It was national television. I'm going to take credit for it. It was like the one I picked, and it happened to be yours. Charlie Lee of Litecoin, a real pleasure to have you on. Thanks for let, breaking it down in a way that, that uh, guys like me and everybody else can understand, Charlie. Best to sure. you. I hope we see you again soon. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for having me. All right. Very welcome. Thank you very much. All right. On deck, get ready. It's a huge week, not just for the cryptos, but for corporate earnings and guidance. There's a lot of numbers out there, but don't worry. Our friend Jenny Harrington is here with the three stocks that are high on her radar right now. And April is Financial Literacy Month. CNBC is committing to sharing messages from businesses and thought leaders about the importance of financial education, especially early financial education. Here's President and CEO of the Council for Economic Education, Nan Morris. Currently, 21 states have a requirement for personal finance. Less than half the states in the country. 
And we know that when you get financial education, in particular to kids from low and moderate income communities, it makes a big difference in their savings behavior and how they finance their education. So not having requirements is a particularly harmful moment for the low and moderate income students and those communities in our country. The year was 1977, and Andy Gibbs, I just want to be your everything, I'll stop singing, was radio's hot song. We bring this up not because you want to hear me sing, but because of today's RBI, and also not because we miss the soft rock sounds of the 70s, which of course we do, but that's not it. It's because that plays into a big market story. Last week, the Dow Transportation Index recorded its 26th straight record close of the year and its 12th straight weekly gain, which is the longest streak of gain since, yes, going back to 1977, which is actually all the records of the index we have. Now, remember, the transports, considered a leading economic indicator, has just kept on, well, trucking. In fact, every stock in the index is higher in the past 90 days. Avis Budget Group has doubled. Another six stocks, mostly airlines, are up more than 30% in that time. You care because the transports are maybe not the way they used to be, but they still are considered one of the best leading economic indicators because they often signify increased economic activity in the future. All the stuff we buy or order or whatever has to be shipped by truck, by train, or maybe we get on a plane. So watch the Dow transports because lately they have just been about your everything. Random, but interesting. Or not. For more on this and a very busy week for guidance, we're joined now by Jenny Harrington, CEO of Gilman Hill Asset Management, CNBC contributor. No doubt has torn up the floor on disco at some point. We're not going to get into that. Jenny, I know you don't like the transports to own them, but do you still like the index to watch it, or is it sort of outlived its usefulness? No, I think it's interesting to watch, but I also think it's representative of something broader in the market, which is that in the we saw a huge rotation in leadership between the beginning of September last year and the end of March this year. And then the first two weeks of April, it seemed like the super mega cap tech stocks were getting their legs back and they were resuming their leadership position. But I think what your transport RBI reminds us is that's that's probably going to be short-lived. And if we look at those super mega cap stocks, and if we look at FANG, for example, mm-hmm. FANG still has a multiple of 39 times on it. So we're all complaining about the market being at 22 times. Well, FANG's at 39 times. There is a wide, wide gap between the valuations of last year's haves and the entire rest of the market and the, uh, the have-nots. And so that transportation RBI is really cool because it reminds us how far there is to go, how much other leadership um, yeah. momentum there is in other sectors of the market. So, so yeah, I don't own them, but I think it's very meaningful. Okay. You know, we talk also meaningful, certainly COVID cases coming down by half in the last two weeks in America. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, vaccinations up. What I don't understand is, Jenny, Pfizer creates this vaccine. Whatever your political views on vaccine, <laughs> who cares? The vaccine is working. Right. Pfizer creates this amazing vaccine. By the way, thank you to them. Stock gets no respect. None. Yeah. None. None. And they're reporting earnings next week. So one of the things that I've been talking about lately is how you need to have not just the valuation, 
not just the story. You need to have the valuation and the story to make a great investment work in concert. And I think this is a beautiful opportunity for it. So you've got Pfizer trading at a multiple of 14 times. They've got a 4% dividend yield. They've basically just saved humanity. You cannot say, oh, but it's a sleepy old school. You know, they don't innovate. Come on. Not only did they show that they're completely agile, but they're unbelievably innovative. So if you want to put a stock in your portfolio and just forget about it for maybe the next two decades, this might be a really terrific one. Mm -hmm. Cheap valuation, so it's not like you're teetering on the edge of a cliff. You've got a huge margin of safety because of that. Yeah. And what are they going to grow earnings at? I don't know. Maybe... Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven percent on average over the next five or ten years. That's terrific, but it's not going to be a two bagger. It's not going to be cocktail party fodder. You're not going to be like, oh, hey, mom and dad, I'm giving you a hundred thousand dollars for my twenty third birthday in honor of you. Um, it's not going to give you that opportunity, but you are going to sleep really well and own something terrific that's going to, in a consistent, normal way, return to your portfolio. Yeah. And I love what you said, Jenny, and I always do. But they're they're kind of helping us save humanity and yet the stock it's no love you got a couple yeah. more picks we didn't have time for we're going to get you we're going to drag you out of bed early again and get this done again jenny Harrington, come back love soon it. thank you have a spectacular week thanks brian you too all right you're very welcome and thank you all for tuning in to worldwide exchange on this monday bitcoin's up dow futures up a little we're up and we'll be back up again at five tomorrow morning we'll see you then squawk and the gang are up next You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.